0: We today are continuing our series through the letter to the Colossians and just to bring you up to speed a little bit in case you haven't been with us, uh, Colossians really uh, is set up in very much a similar way to many of Paul's letters. First part of the letter is spent showing you why you need Jesus. Uh, And then leading you to what Jesus has done to make everything possible for your salvation not just possible to actually save you Uh, And now he's entered into the the third stage of the letter where he essentially is saying okay, so now as a new creation as somebody that God has redeemed through the work of Christ uh, How should we live? Uh, What should we seek to pursue as? new creations And so I'll start off at verse 11 where he sort of gives them their identity and then moves on from there. He says in Colossians 3 11 Here there is not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised Barbarian Scythian slave free, but Christ is all and in all so from the very beginning Paul wants them to recognize that whatever divisions there are outside of the church, whatever people identify as outside of the church, that in the church what your primary identity is, is Jesus, your relationship to Jesus. And i got to tell you that when churches fail to have Jesus and their connection to Jesus as their primary identity. It is not long before division happens. Division always happens when Christ ceases to be the center. Why is that? Because when Christ is the center, then it's very clear that all of us come the same way as sinners in need of a savior. None of us is more worthy than the other. None of us can boast. And so Paul will constantly talk about this in his letters that none of us is uh is better than the other. We need to recognize that. So whether we're Greek or Jews, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, whatever it is, whatever your status is, it's all bunk in the church. It doesn't matter. So then he says, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, uh, holy and beloved, put on then, recognizing that you are chosen by God, holy and beloved. So remember your status, remember who you are, put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility meekness and patience i mean can you think of of anything that could possibly be said wrong about any of those words it's all so good it's all they're all so good and yet i have heard a pushback recently and i get it i get it there's a pushback in the church against quote niceness i i and i i get it believe me because there's a sense in which niceness can substitute for what's true and but here's the thing: like, being kind is a command. Being kind is something that we should strive for. I've heard one author, I think it was Scott Sauls, say, "I'd rather have kind over cool any day of the week." And yes, it, what if what if we strove to be compassionate people, people that put ourselves in the place of the other and felt pain when they felt pain, and and what if we humbled ourselves and were meek. I mean, these are the values that are completely the opposite of the world we live in, and yet when these values are displayed, the world can't help but take notice because it is it is so countercultural, and it is and it's beautiful to see when people display this kind of compassion. And yet Paul recognizes this won't be easy, so he says in verse 13. Uh, bearing with one another so yes have patience bear with one another there's a recognition just in that very phraseology that this ain't gonna be easy all the time with the people in the church that sometimes you guys aren't gonna get along and sometimes there's gonna be people that you're worshiping next to on Sunday that you're gonna be like yeah I would never hang out with you bro ever 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 outside of this place but we're brothers and so I'm gonna love you no matter what that's true that so you bear with one another and if one has a complaint against one another, you forgive each other. That's what Paul is urging them to do. So there's probably in the Colossian church some bickering going on, um, like every church ever. And so he says, here's here's how you handle it. You absorb the pain, you forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So if, if that's the standard, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also we should strive to forgive, that pretty much means like none of the things that you don't want to forgive are going to be acceptable. That pretty much means all of the things. All of the things. So the person that's really irritating you in the church, um, you forgive it. Does that mean you don't confront it? No, please do confront it. Save the rest of us from the pain of having to deal with the person's foolishness. But yes you absorb it you forgive it so the the bible kind of holds up this two this two-sided thing where it says we confront we confront the error and yet we also forgive it we do both we can do both he goes on verse 14 and above all these put on love that's how do you forgive when you put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Remember again, you are one body, that you were called to peace with, uh, by Christ and through Christ, that you are one, that here there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Scythian barbarian slave or free, for Christ is all and in all, and he, where he is, he has called you to peace and brings peace. Then he says this, verse sixteen, and this, this might give you a, a bit of a hint as to how we put on, how I mean, because this is a command, how we put these things on, How does this happen? Well, verse sixteen says, "Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly." So maybe it would be something as simple as taking time to to dig into God's word every day. but it's this idea of being saturated, letting it dwell in you and the Word is what transforms you from the inside out. That's what scripture seems to teach over and over again. Now how does this happen? Well, he says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, I love the fact that he says one of the ways the Word dwells in you richly is by singing together, by singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. With in other words, worshiping together. You you know what? One of the things that creates great unity in a body is when they worship together. When they hear each other singing the truths about God and of what God has done for them in each other's ear holes, there's something that creates a unity there in worship. It's very hard as you're worshiping to be hating the person next to you. I mean it. It's just something, it, when thankfulness is overflowing from your heart, then it creates a sense of unity. And we need to hear each other, we need to hear each other sing the truths of God. That's one of the ways that we put on this new life as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, already saved. We don't do any of this, again, to be saved or to earn more brownie points with God. None of this ever makes you better with God. None of it but this makes you a totally cool person to hang out with it makes you a better neighbor it makes you the kind of person that reflects godly character to others and like your neighbor needs that your neighbor needs that and so that's why this is here and so he concludes sort of here's the big picture verse 17 and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him well that, I mean, that's, that's no small task. Just, hey guys, whatever you do, here's what it comes down to. Do everything, everything to the glory of God. Now that sounds like I could put that on a, you know, on a little painting and put it up in my living room and that sounds awesome and it's a good reminder. But here's the thing, um, we don't, right? We don't. Uh, we, we tend to compartmentalize. We tend to break up what we do to the glory of God and what we don't. But the goal is that everything we do, everything we do, when we leave home, when we go to work, when we're with our kids, when we're playing, when we go to the movies, when we watch TV, when we uh, relax, when we uh, eat, drink, whatever we do, that all of it we could say we we're doing to the glory of God. We don't. And so this is why we always need to go back to the very beginning of our passage where we recognize and remember again that no matter where we're at on this uh, passage no matter how we've done in our day putting on this new clothing of righteousness that we've been given in christ that in god's sight we already are chosen ones that we are holy and beloved in his sight holy and beloved already so each day is this recognition we, we're putting on. It's an active thing. We're actively doing this every day, recognizing that we haven't done it perfectly. We haven't even gotten close. But that every day this is the sort of goal we live for, for the benefit of our neighbor and ultimately for the glory of God. So.